Shrooms as a teenager and start a church. You're listening to Polygonometry. This is a family kind of friendly podcast where each and every episode I sit down with a member of my absolutely hugalossal family and we sit down and have a conversation of what it's like tripping our balls off. What's up, dudes, babes, babe, dudes, and dude babes? We are back at it again. Guys, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, send them my way via Instagram, Gmail, or Facebook. My main three, the ones I all, you know, actually, you know, when I think about it, I would probably say that Instagram is my first wife. You know, she kind of has that attitude a little bit, a little bit more, you know, super, you, know, you, you fell in love with them first, and you pick up a few along the way, that kind of thing. Um, and it, I would say my second wife is probably my Gmail, and then my third wife is whatever I said earlier, because I already forgot already. What's up, guys? Uh, <laughs> so stupid of a joke to make, but very real. Hey, guys. So, um, like I mentioned uh, in the last intro, uh, the Polygonometry Patreon is starting up very soon here. Uh, very excited to, uh, to get that thing going. So keep your eyes peeled for that, as well as some possible merch coming down the way. Yep, we, uh, we're, we're going to be doing some Polygonometry merch, and it's going to be very fun. It's going to be very exciting. Um, and at the end of this episode, I'm kind of screwing the pooch a little bit here. Um, but uh, weird, way to, weird thing to say, by the way, I am not, I am not having sexual relations with the, any dogs. Uh, but... At the end of this episode, Ben and I talk about how we are putting together a comedy tour. And uh, this is something that is extremely exciting for both of us. We both want this to happen very badly. So if that's something that interests you and you want to see us perform live and do our thing and, you know, tell some jokes and tell some crazy childhood stories and Q&As and meet and greets and all that stuff, then let us know. We want to go to where you guys are at. Which cities should we come to? The ones where you guys are. So reach out to me, reach out to Ben, and uh, let's get this thing going, man. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be super fun. And uh, that's everything, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy the second half of the episode that I have with good old Ben. Black people. Yeah. So that, that part, you know, it was so funny. So when I was in China, my buddy, when the play came out, he watched it and he was a huge fan of it. So then he found out that I grew up in polygamy. So he and I watched that song. So when the 1978 stuff happened, he was like, okay, I've always been curious about this. What does that mean? So I spent an hour and a half laying out all the history and all that stuff. That's a a podcast episode. I know, but we were living in China and we didn't have the equipment. So we'll do it again. But um, that would be, that would be a cool way to kind of get it, you know, because that, that song is something that I think so many people can relate to, mm -hmm. but they don't know the content context right and so being able to sort of explain that would be fun yeah because a mormon just believes mormons just believe man you just believe just believe it's all good what your faith is shaken what do you have weak faith pussy (laughs) (laughs) so weird it's gnarly though dude the 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 thing that i'm starting to realize the more i kind of step out of the cult is that essentially what happened is that joseph smith started a cult in like 1830 Mm -hmm. and so you think about the kinds of people who join cults today those are the people who joined joseph smith's cult and then and that's not that might sound like a little bit of an asshole what i really mean there is like people who join cults are vulnerable mm-hmm. they're often isolated desperate and, and they're desperate right and so you get all of those people and they join more joseph smith's cult 
and then Joseph Smith dies, and then Brigham Young grabs the bulk of them and then takes them out into the fucking desert for 150 years where they marry each other. Mm-hmm. That's Mormonism. Yeah. In a nutshell. And in a nutshell, that's what's happening. And what's fascinating to me about that is what Mormonism has sort of done is Mormonism has grabbed a lot of really antiquated ideas about race, about gender, about all of these things from the 1830s. Because you think about how people in the 1830s thought about black people mm-hmm. or women or any of those things, it's grabbed those ideas and sort of shepherded them into the modern world as doctrine. And so we have all of this, like all of this racism, all of this sexism that's that's sort of coming out of that worldview mm-hmm. because it, it was so isolated and it just sort of allowed, it was allowed to sort of feed on itself for generations. For a long, long time. And yeah. we have a university named after Brigham. We do, right? Can you believe that? It, it, what's so funny to me is that there's so many Mormons and even not even just growing up in the AUB because more, of course, Brigham Young is lauded as this hero and this, that, oh. and the other. Right. And then, you know, I would go and I, I investigated the church for a few years uh, when I was in high school. So I'd go down to church and that kind of stuff. Same thing. Brigham Young, brother Brigham, praise right. up, you know, bless up. But then like looking back into what Brigham actually said in his talks, because that's documented <laughs> in all, uh, all look at the journal of discourses, you know, so you're reading Brigham Young talking about, you know, blood atonement. Right. And how he's like, look, if they're not doing what we want, you can kill them. You can kill them. You and can kill them. Not only you can kill them, but, but you need to kill them. You have to kill them to save their eternal soul. Yeah. You have to kill them in order to save them. Yeah. That's blood atonement. <laughs> And then, and then people are like, why do Mormons sometimes kill people? Yeah. Why, why did the Lafferty's happen? Why was there, why did that one dude blow up cars? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because if you dig deep enough into the doctrine, there's craziness in there. Yeah. But Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to build a statue. Uh, we're going to make sure his house is on the national historic registry and uh, we're going to name a school after him. So a, after him. A, yeah. a, a place of higher learning. <laughs> higher learning. The irony of that, right? The irony of, of a yeah. institution of higher learning being named after Brigham fucking Young. Yeah, man. It's hilarious to me. Uh, have you been to Whiskey Street in downtown? I haven't, no. You need to go. Uh, so they have, a, they have a receipt or something like that or a, a, a menu invoice or something like that where it's like all this booze and uh, one of the people who signed off on it was Brother Brigham. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, so it's obviously like their biggest point of pride. It's like, dude, we're, right. we're, we're Brigham Young's favorite whiskey, you know? I love that, dude. I um, need to go check that out. Yeah, it's a really dope spot. Fun place, good food. Really yeah, nice. Sweet. But yeah, man, there's been so much that the more you learn, what's so crazy too is that I was raised by teachers and education and cur- satisfying your curiosity by looking things up for yourself and finding your own answers was a huge thing for me Right. growing up. And so, you know, they'd be like, well, if you were, if you're ever wondering what's going on, if you don't understand, it looks like you need to do some searching. Mm -hmm. So I did that and finding all this stuff was the reason why I left. Right. Because I was like, oh, you know, you're asking me, I I did what you asked. Yeah, totally. And I have to leave. Like you see how this doesn't work. Right. So I had all these questions and stuff. And then basically the typical culty and Mormony response to all the intense questions that are pretty poignant, you know, the echo, the CES letter are like, Oh, well, God works in mysterious ways. 
And like, we'll, have the answer, we'll know that in heaven. Yeah, we'll know that in heaven. Don't worry about it. You're like, but actually, I would like to know that now because I need to make decisions now. Yeah. My life. <laughs> it's funny to me, dude, the way that the cult kind of creates people who are better than it, if that makes sense. Like just that, that line of thinking where it yeah. says, because there's this story, right? I don't know if, if this was true for you or not, but one of the, one of like the core stories that I really latched onto and it, it, it was like ingrained in me as a kid was the story of Joseph Smith's first vision. Yep. First so vision's like, huge. First vision's huge. Yeah. And it turns out there are a whole bunch of different varieties of it that I wasn't mm-hmm. told about. Yep. But the one that does get told is all about a boy who has questions who then goes to ask those questions and gets them answered. Yep. Right. And it's fascinating to me how that, that story that's within this cult actually helped me out of it because I could see myself as Joseph Smith. And what did Joseph Smith do? Well, Joseph Smith searched, he asked, and in asking, he followed his answers, even though his answers were hard, right? That's the myth of this, the story. And so it's weird how it's sort of, it sort of like spun me out by itself because it told me to model my life after this. And then I started asking questions. And then if you learn to ask questions, it's only so long before you, before you end up, end up out of a cult. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's the part thing. Too, that's such a huge, important thing too, is that like, you know, that blind faith idea of like, why are you asking these questions? Like, right. instead of answering your question, they're asking, like, they're suspicious as to why you're asking it. And then right. that, then you realize that even at a little kid, you realize that you're asking, you're doing those something wrong. Asking questions, you're like, oh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm in trouble. It feels like that's yeah. weird. So you learn from a very early age to not ask questions until right. you're brave enough to start asking those questions because you want to be like Joseph. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah, it's fascinating. The, just the way the way the, the way the human mind can kind of find its way out of bullshit is is it's, I'm, I'm always like really inspired by humans. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool, so cool. So now you're in the spot where you are no longer affiliated with any sort of religion. Uh, no, nope. I don't. I I, I have a, a really rich spiritual practice that's just kind of personal to me. Cool. But I don't I don't subscribe to any like any particular faith. Cool. That's awesome. Have you found that to be like a little bit more liberating overall and, and that kind of thing? Or what's that? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything. What, what, but. It's, what it's meant for me is, and there was a period. So when I left, when I left Mormonism, I was, uh, I was, I went kind of on a big science bender for a long time. And I, and I, which I loved. And I'm like, I would totally recommend anyone who's leaving Mormonism or a, like a, a cult, go spend a couple of years just really digging into science because science is fucking baller. Um, <laughs> But you heard it uh, here first, folks. Science yeah. is fucking baller. <laughs> and uh, so I did that for a while. And during that time, I would say that I was like atheist. Like I, I was like, okay. I don't, I don't really subscribe to a God. I don't think there is one. And I don't know that that has changed. I, I believe, I believe that humans are spiritual creatures that were mythic creatures. So I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, Sapiens by, uh, Yuval Noah Harari. Um, I I've read the first chapter. And it's, then it, I had to give it back to the owner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. But the, the essence of that book is that he says that because he's a historian and he's telling the history of humanity. Yeah. Right. And he says that there were because there were other kinds of humans that not just homo sapiens. Right. There was homo neanderthals. Mm-hmm. There were homo like five or six other species that we know of. Lots of homos everywhere. Lots of homos everywhere back then. Yep. And uh, and we were the ones that survived. Right. We were the ones that dominated. And so he's asking the question, why did, why sapiens? What was it about sapiens that allowed them to kind of take over the world? 
Yeah. And what he says is, is that it's our capacity to believe in myth. And by myth, he just means stories about reality that aren't objectively true, but allow you to cooperate, right? So how did the Egyptians build the pyramids? Well, they built them because they believed that the Pharaoh was a god and that they were exalting their god by building this pyramid, Yeah. right? So myth allows humans to really engage in these really powerful ways. And so I read that and it, it really sunk home for me. And I, I just realized that humans are mythic creatures, right? Our brains are wired to believe stories. We're wired to believe that we belong in a story. We're wired to, to believe that, to, to connect with others in terms of the stories that we tell. And so there's, there was something for me a little bit a little bit sterile about a purely scientific worldview that didn't allow for a, a space for like myth or spirituality. And that doesn't like, if I'm going to, if I'm ever going to like make a decision and science says one thing and spirituality says another thing, I'm going to do what science says. Cause science has a really good road, has a really good track record. Yeah. But I do think that science right now, I think we're beginning to actually, as we start to understand how the, the human mind works and as we start to sort of get into uh, neuroscience and just really, as we start to unpack the human brain, I think we're going to get there. But I think that believing in story is soothing for the human soul. Right? Yeah. And so the story that I believe in is that, that I am not all that there is, that there is order and consciousness and awareness that is bigger than me. And that's also smaller than me. Right. So mm -hmm. my consciousness is not really anything special. My consciousness is no different than a worm's consciousness or a stone's consciousness or a galaxy's consciousness. Sure. Like we're all part of the same thing. And I just get to have this unique experience of me experiencing the world. And that's a worldview that's called, if, there, if you want to give a name to it, it's called animism. Animism is this really old, it actually predates all human religion. If you go to like hunter-gatherer societies, this is what they believed and this is what we believe we believed like 230,000 years ago when we were first coming out, you know, becoming who we are. Yeah. And it's essentially the belief that we are a part of nature, right? Yeah. We're a part of nature. Nature can speak to us. Nature can interact with us. We can speak to it. We can speak to animals. We can not in a literal sense, right? They don't speak English but that we're all a part of this world together and, and we all kind of flow together in it. Have you watched uh, that documentary on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi? No, I haven't. You need to, you would love yeah. it. You would really, really like it. Um, and you'd also really like doing mushrooms, I think. I, uh, do, I do really <laughs> like doing mushrooms. Oh, you've done them. Yeah, mushrooms were a, were a big part. I did that as part of my, as part of my, uh, my trauma journey. Oh, really? Okay, was it recommended to you by a therapist? Recommended, yeah. So I, the, the 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 particular therapist that I worked with wasn't able to do it with me. Well, because it's a controlled substance and all that. Controlled substance, right? Yeah. But I, I did it kind of. So I found it on my own, and then I but I would kind of I would let her know what I was doing and kind of kind of talk about, it, and then I would go with people who were trained to kind of have to facilitate that experience for people. Sweet. Uh, and it's phenomenal, right? Like the the research that's being done right now with psychedelics and MDMA for trauma recovery is, is amazing. It I, is, it is I have, I have no abs. I have absolutely no idea why psilocybin is on the list of controlled substances, because the only, the only thing I want to do, the only thing I want to do is for anybody who believes that you're not allowed to have psilocybin or believe in its, uh, controlling part, believe that it's a bad thing should be forced to try it <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> because once you do, it is yeah. 
it, it's, you know, it's, I mean, you, we can talk about mushrooms all day long, but everybody on their timeline for their life has like certain hash marks, right? You know, mm-hmm. this thing happened when I was 12 that was really important to me, or this is my first time, you know, shooting the game winning basket when I was in high school or whatever, right? So like certain moments and anybody that I know of that has done mushrooms says that mushrooms is a pretty significant hash. Yeah. Like it completely transforms how you view the world and you feel so much better about who you are afterward, even after a bad trip as well. After a bad trip. right? Yeah. That's what's fat. That's so I, I I was kind of initially clued into that by uh, Michael Pollan's book, how to change your mind. Yep. Right. So that book is all about the, the research that's being done, uh, done on it. And, and then you get into that and you start to realize that even, even a bad trip is good Yeah. because what a bad trip it's a lot. Cause I had one of the, my most effective trip, the, the thing that I kind of point that I would say like, that's my, my hash mark of like, that's the, the thing that really shifted was terrible. Mm-hmm. I, it was awful. I was writhing on the ground in agony yep. for hours. But then afterwards I was like, Oh, it just moved. Like there was all of this stuff that was stuck, all this trauma that was stuck in my body Yep, had to get out. And it allowed me to get it out in a way that, that, that was, was really fast. It was way faster than anything that I would have done. You know, it, it would have taken me years, I believe, to do what I did in therapy to do in therapy, what I did on that trip. No, yeah, that's, it, and the, and the, the research is starting to show that is that like you, one mushroom trip, the, the normal amount, you know, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to take a shit ton, you don't, whatever. Um, but one mushroom trip is, you know, starting to line up as far as the timeline is concerned. It's like starting, I can't remember what the exact number is, but they're guessing like right around, yeah, a year and a year and a half of therapy, of talk therapy, intensive talk therapy. Talk therapy. Intensive talk therapy. So when you Which think of I like- think you do both, right? You should, don't like, so if you're listening, don't go out and just take a shit ton of mushrooms. No. Because you, you need a container, right? You need that support. You need someone to kind of help you through that. Safety net. That's why I love the, 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 that we're now starting to get to a place where, where those things are starting to come together. And a lot of those therapies are starting to become, uh, so mushroom still isn't, it's still controlled. You have to get, uh, I think you have to be part of a research group, but things like stuff like ketamine is yeah. now like, you could just go to a ketamine center and do, do ketamine. Yep. And that's incredibly transformational. Um, so we're, I think we're on a good track which is great because there are tons of people who are really suffering with mental illness. So here's something that, I mean, you might've heard of this or not. I hope you have. uh, So we can talk about it. Um, Have you heard the theory that Mormonism started from a mushroom trip? hundred percent. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Um, Hey, yeah. With brother Joe just found some mushrooms, got hungry on that hike in the quote unquote sacred grove and just had an experience where I think he started out having a bad trip. Because that's what fighting with Satan feels like. Feels like. Yeah. Totally. It is to- like when you think about, when you reread all the story about the first vision through the lens of a mushroom trip, yeah. everything lines up. Everything makes sense. Every yeah. single beat of that story even, lines up. Even, even the, even the, uh, even what he does afterwards, right? Yep. Because, because what, what, what you do when you have that experience, it's, it's like suddenly you, like the experience that I had is suddenly I saw everything, right? I saw my place in my family's history. I saw the generations of my family who'd kind of been in, in Mormonism. So it, it gives you kind of this big sense of like a perspective. And I think what most of us do after that is we think that was a really cool experience. That's for me now. 
Yep. And Joseph Smith's megalomania made him say, that was a cool experience. Now I have to tell everyone that they have to follow my experience. So yeah. Instead of, that- yeah. So that could be misconstrued sometimes because I've talked about that with people before in, in a similar thing, but then they're like, well, I mean, you're telling me to go grab mushrooms. It's like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. What I mean is my mushroom experience is mine now. Right. You will have your own, but you oh. have this, you know, amazing catalyst to fa- have, you know, an absolutely incredible experience and it's scary it's 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 nerve-wracking i mean the first time i ever did mushrooms was a completely impromptu thing like i just got thrown some and like here take it and i was like all right you know and just like went for it um but yeah since now i've, I've tried it a few more times and and trying to really use it with intention and you know using it as a tool instead of a party thing and i've used it for both functions recreationally just trying to have a good time just trying to feel something crazy I've done that too and it's been super fun and then other times where it's like you know what we're gonna sit and meditate for six hours and really try to figure out who the fuck you are chris you know right. like that kind of shit and that 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 stuff the six hour meditation you know sitting in my room by myself with some tranquil music on is is one of those things where I, I value that way more than the recreational usage. Oh my god! Totally. Like it, yeah. yeah, it doesn't even it, apples and oranges completely. It is, it is, it is like the original. I don't know, maybe original is the wrong word, but it is, it is like the spiritual experience that starts religions, mm-hmm. and it's accessible to everyone, right? You hear about people who who start religions and they have this like big like muhammad having an angel come to him in a cave and then he starts a religion Mm -hmm. jesus going out into the desert and being and satan come and then a you know and then he start then a religion starts after him right yeah moses with the burning bush what was he smoking with the burning bush what was he smoking (laughs) right yeah but but it's like the cool thing about it is it's it's not something that has to be isolated into just leaders right everyone can have that experience and that was Joseph Smith's first thing. That was one of the big appeals to Mormonism early on is that like everybody can talk to God. Right. So then yeah. all these fringe groups started happening because like, no, I'm the prophet. No, I'm the prophet. It's like, what do you mean? No, I'm the prophet. It's like, no, you said I could talk to God. Yeah. 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 Where, where really what I think, I think the opportunity, I think where we're at now is like, it's so powerful to have a, a spiritual experience and to feel like I am in charge. I'm the director of my spirituality right? I don't have to cede that power to anyone else. Yep. And, and I can just be at the center of it and to feel just a part, right? When your ego dissolves and you're just like, Oh, I'm not that big of a deal. It's so good for you. <laughs> but I also am a big deal, right? I'm, I'm nothing and I'm everything. And, and it's, this is, it's just an incredible experience. Yeah. I, I highly recommend doing it for anybody who might be curious about it. I would say, obviously try to figure out someone you trust who has access um because obviously working with working with illicit substances you can you can it's it's risky there's an inherent level of risk um you don't know exactly what you're buying so you know practice with caution and then you know set and setting that's the big number one is is just figure out do it with people you trust and do it with people that you feel like are capable of helping you out if you need it and other than that if you can find find a clinical setting to do it banger right yep. go, go that because having having someone who's there that's I, i've also done ketamine okay and ketamine is, is cool because they will have a licensed person in the room with you okay who's just sitting there kind of holding that, that do they have those in utah they have those in utah well yeah they do it's pretty rad actually well that's that's also interesting to me but just because of you know mormon's views on drugs yeah more mormons i'm i'm surprised too but they're here like there's a clinic it's like 30 minutes from my house you walk in 
you they, there's an interview there's an intake process right sure. it's regulated yeah. but you go in and you you do it they give you an id you do ketamine for about an hour you walk damn. out and you're like oh, i feel feel great damn i need to try that what would you say the differences are between using ketamine and, and mushrooms um ketamine is a lot more uh a lot more kind of a lot more body so there's not very, there's not really visuals okay um and it's a lot faster so ketamine a sure. ketamine session is going to be about an hour you know a mushroom journey is going to be three to five depending on what you take and how much, and how much? well the, the main trip is about four and then the whole experience is about eight yeah um, at least in my experience for my body um yep. so yeah there's been times where uh i've used it in in ways that probably shouldn't have um, one time I was, I was feeling really kind of just shitty about myself and I was like, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up. Uh, I have the whole day off. I'll wake up at four, four thirty, take them, go back to sleep. And then I'm going to wake up tripping. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, and I tried it and uh, I'll never do that again. <laughs> uh, because, cause the mushroom trip starts happening while I was dreaming. Oh, weird. Right. So that elevated the experience with the dreams. Right. Yeah. But it was such a vivid and, and intense situation and just an intense dream that when I yeah. woke up, I didn't realize that I had woken up for another hour. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was interacting. I was trying to like manipulate things in this dream space, but it wasn't working. Like I would grab oh. a cup. I broke three cups. I was like trying to like levitate it. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm in control of my dreams. And I'm just <laughs> shattering glass on my kitchen floor. And, Hilarious. uh, thankfully my roommates weren't home and I got everything cleaned up. But, um, so yeah, I, I will not do that again just because like, I don't know, that's probably not the best way to go about doing it, oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, it was an experience. Into, yeah. Let's do the listeners, uh, avoid that as, yeah. a, uh, as a method. of Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do what I did. Learn from me. But I've, I've just gained such a huge appreciation um, mm -hmm. for those, for those types of situations it kind of that too, like growing up, you think like, oh man, drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. And for a lot of people, drugs are bad, but totally. you know, there are people out there that are more common than not, in my opinion, that can have a healthy relationship with a substance. People do it with alcohol all the time. And yeah. alcohol is 400 times more detrimental to your body than mushrooms are. Than mushrooms are. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, what's really problematic is the if, if you're using substance to numb, if you're using if you're using it to cope, right? If you don't have the 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 social network and the support that you need to be healthy, then you can get into a space where where you end up in a in a bad spot. But especially using you know using it with people who know what they're doing in a in a for for healing, in my experience has been uh, has just been really powerful. Yeah, it's super rad, and I hope people figure it out and we can get it declassified and. Yeah people can actually start healing. You know, you see here, I mean, you talked about, about the, the trauma work that's been going on with, you know, MDMA and psilocybin and stuff and how like for veterans, how it's like you do want like a veteran who's been in like combat in Iraq comes back and has the, you know, they're scared of 4th of July yeah. and like that kind of stuff. And they go into shell shock or, I mean, that's, I guess an early version of PTSD, but um, then they do a mushroom trip and they're, and they're effect, effectively cured. Right. Psilocybin and MDMA are curing PTSD in veterans. Yeah. That's Why are we not just pumping money just into this research? Pumping it into that research. Right? <laughs> if you think about, you think about the, the, the broader consequences of that, like going back to World War II, right? World War II, hundreds of thousands of American servicemen come home who've experienced battle, who've experienced trauma, and they don't have access to that medicine to heal. 
And then what do they what do they do with that trauma? They inflicted it on their families. Yeah. And so you have you have now generations of of people who have gone to war, we, who, who we have sent to war, right? We have sent them into war where they have been traumatized. And then we bring them back into society and we're like, good luck. I hope that you're okay. I hope that you don't, you know, fuck up your life or other people's lives when there's there's this medicine that can that is that is demonstrated to work, right? We know that it it cures this, right? It helps that it it gets rid of it. It cures PTSD. That's fucking magic, man. Yeah, and it's right there in the ground. It's right there. Earth <laughs> made it for us. Yeah, the Earth was like, you know what? This will probably help you guys. You know, yeah. and the whole stone date theory with Terrence yeah. McKenna, like that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I find that to be so before mushrooms, before having an experience on mushrooms, I was in this spot where I was like, you know, I don't know about this whole like evolution thing because I'm still hanging on this, you know, God idea and mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and I, the first time I did mushrooms, I was 24. Um, it was on my 24th birthday. So now it's been oh. a birthday tradition of mine to do it on my birthday. But oh, um, but yeah, so like you do them. Or I did them and I was like, then I started researching it more and then reading Terrence McKenna's book about the stoned ape and, you know, like just seeing all this stuff come out about mushrooms. I'm like, well, maybe I think the reason why we started getting a giant brain is because the brain was communicating with itself because our ancient, ancient ancestors were just getting just fucking shit high, <laughs> just tripping their metaphorical balls off, right. you know, in the Horn of Africa and it was good for us. Like it totally. helped us. And I don't know. I mean, there, I, one of, this kind of ties back into like animism, right? That it, so, so one of the things that I believe is that, that life is a cosmic imperative, right? Life is something that the universe does. Yeah. And so in some, one of the things I like about the stone ape theory is this idea that the earth as an organism wanted sentient life on it. Yeah. Like it wanted us to be here. And so it provided the bread of life, as the Christians would say, mm -hmm. that that brought that that made that happen. What right? if you that, put mushrooms in bread? Um, if you put mushrooms in bread and then passed it in the sacrament, you would end cults. Oh my god, that's such a good idea, dude! Could you imagine that? Just like <laughs> just just grind a bunch of mushrooms into powder, bake it into the bread, huh, dude, the bread. and then just pass it out as the fucking body of Christ. Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was this dude, I can't remember what his That's name was. That's such a brilliant idea. Why didn't you think of that? We make it happen. Let's so do it. A couple <laughs> of years ago, there was this guy, I can't remember his name, but he got he got arrested in LA because he was trying to sneak huge doses of LSD into the LA water supply. Oh yeah, 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 I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe like dosing people against their will probably isn't a good idea, but it was probably still in cults though. Yeah. So if that's what we're it going would, it with. And cults, but it would be a little bit violent. Let's throw ethics out the window for our own personal <laughs> material getting. Because um, we want to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's so crazy. Um, okay. So now I think something that I, I'm just curious and interested about is your overall experience with comedy. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So you started in May. I started in May and what I've done so far is I've done, I've done a bunch. So I've been doing open mics consistently since then. Sure. And I've done uh, a little bit of opening. So I've opened for a couple of shows. I did, I did a, I opened for a show for some shows in Ogden for some in uh, West Jordan. And then I actually went down to Vegas and did two shows. I opened for two shows in Vegas. Dude, like, were you hosting or are you featuring? 
I was, so the, the, the people who were headlining were invited me. They were friends of mine. So they headlined and then I opened for them. Oh, okay, cool. But the cool thing about it, it was a new wise guys club. And the fun thing about it is that it's in the art uh, district, right? Yeah. And over in the arts district, yep. it's a super cool club. Nice. Uh, it's actually my favorite that I've performed in. Um, but they have, so, so there it was, it was brand new. It was getting started. And so the group that went down they're they're pretty, they're hilarious. They're really well known. And, uh, but I had a whole bunch of people who came down to see me from St. George. So literally <laughs> yeah. both, nights, both nights, half the crowd was there to see me. Dude, that is that dope, was, man. It was such a fun, such a fun experience. That's awesome. Uh, so I've been, I've been doing that. And then I, I've, I started posting stuff on TikTok, and then that kind of blew up. So what I'm, that's what I want to talk to you about too. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So what I'm, the, the vision that I, what I'm doing right now is I'm not just doing standup, right? I'm writing, I'm writing a 30 minute special is what I'm trying to craft. And I've got about 20 minutes of it, of it written. And once I have that, I want to start, I want to start either performing or touring or doing something with it. Cause I, comedy is something that I always wanted to do. Right. When I was a kid, I was always like cracking jokes and like, like speaking, like I, I would try to be the sort of the sense, like I would try to hold court, right. As it were, sure. like, I love like just telling stories and, and, and making people laugh. And so that's kind of, that's the, that's the direction I I'm, I'm trying to like make that be the thing that I'm going to do. Cause I, if I'm going to live a life, right. I want to live a life that is, is one that I want to live. Hell yeah, man. So, so I'm driving that way. And then I've, uh, yeah. And then I, I, I posted about it on, so I've been posting my comedy on TikTok for a while. And then I just posted this thing about, you know, I won't grew up on a Mormon polygamous compound and I want to like, you know, I want to go out and experience the world. Tell me what I should do. And then that just fucking blew up on me. So how, what was the, cause I remember, cause I started following you on uh, Instagram and TikTok and stuff and you had like 150 followers. Yeah, I was tiny. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, I don't, I, I don't really participate in t on TikTok too much just because I don't really understand the whole system that much, but not, another thing I could probably learn, but, but yeah. And then I just started getting more and more. And then I like, when you really like started taking off like a rocket, I had probably six or seven people send me your TikToks and like, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Really? Oh, he's doing like polygamy comedy, huh? What's going on, Chris? Huh? Yeah, what's going on? You know, which is fine. You know, they, they had all, every right to say those things. But um, yeah, I, I, I was, I, your stuff is so fucking funny and okay. it was great and, and, and that kind of stuff. So what, was it overnight? Was it um, over it the was, course of three was days? Like overnight. It was like, so, so what happened was I, I've had a lot of things kind of in my awareness for a while and I've been, I'm in sort of a transitionary period in my life right now. So sure. I recently left, I recently left a job that I'd been at for 12 years uh, at a company that I kind of helped found and, and kind of build, but I, I really hated it. Like it was, it was really, it was like trying to fit my soul into a box that it wasn't designed to be in. And so I left that back in, back in November. And then my, I was, I think I mentioned earlier that I, I got married mm -hmm. the LDS church. And then that also ended too, uh, last, last February. And we're, we're kind of still, we, we separated last February and we're kind of in the transitionary period now. You and your wife separated? Me and my wife. Yeah. Okay. And so, oh wait, I, you, I, you, you separated from each other or from the church? From each other. Okay. So we separated from the church and then we separated from each other. Got it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so I've been in sort of this transitionary period trying to sort of figure out like what, and I've, I've wanted to do comedy. I've, I've been writing a memoir for like six years and I've, I've, it's been like in, in various stages of start stop. So I've had this sense that I've got this interesting story to tell. Sure. And then I've, and I've, and as I've started connecting with people who are outside of Mormonism, they're just fascinated, right? Like I, I, I met this, these, these people and I was down in Austin for this retreat and I met these people and I just kind of casually mentioned 
that I grew up on a, like a Mormon polygamous compound. And they were just like, tell me more. They were like fascinated by it. It's so usually how it goes of, when you drop the P-bomb. Right, exactly. It's like polygamy. Like I can, it's fun. I can sure. make anything, any conversation about me that I want to. So I that. <laughs> Speaking like a true comic. Appreciate it. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so it's, it's kind of been all that. And I, so I'm, now I'm in this place where I'm like, okay, the vision that I have is sort of this part of like, it's comedy and it's also, it's comedy with a purpose, right? So it's comedy that's tied to also me sort of sharing the delight that I have with the world because I am, I'm, I'm delighted by everything, right? It's like, because the, the, the world that I grew up in was so restricted. So tiny. Yep. Now it's so tiny. And now that I'm out, like, I love doing new things and, and like experience. And I, I get like this stupid grin on my face and it's like hilarious and fun. And so I've had that kind of in the, in, in my head for a while. So I, so about a week ago, so it was like 10 days ago, I was like, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just get on, I'm just going to get on TikTok. I've been posting my comedy on there for a little bit, but I'm going to just get on here and I'm going to introduce myself. I'm just going to say, Hey, my name is Ben Brown. I grew up on a Mormon polygamous compound and I'm out here in the world having a great time, but I don't know what to try because I'm new here. So tell me like, what are the cool, what do you love about the world? And I'll, and, and then I'll make a list and I'll go do that stuff and I'll film myself doing it. Dude. Hell yeah, man. That's dope. I'll tie that. So it's kind of like an unboxing, you know, the unboxing videos. On, You're unboxing Ben. It's like, I'm unboxing life, right? It's I'm out there doing. And so that's, that's kind of the vision of it. And then, and then comedy is a part of that. So I posted that on, I just like went for a walk, filmed the video and then like posted it. And I was like, cool. And then I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I had 20,000 followers. Jesus Christ. Seriously? Yeah. God damn. And then it, and then it just kept going from there. Like it, it was like 25 and then it was 30. And then, it, and so right now I'm, I think I'm like, I'm, I'll probably hit 50 by the end of today. And <laughs> it's, it's <been> wild. <laughs> that is crazy, dude. Yeah. And so I've had, and I've had people reach out to me like podcasts and TV shows. I, I, I had this person reach out. that's like doing a DNA style, like TV show and with cults. And she's like, do you want to be featured in this? And I was like, well, tell me more about it. So there's just a lot of interest that's been generated and that's, that's been fun for me. It's exciting, right? It's super flattering. You're like, Oh, totally. All that attention. But it's also, re it also kind of connects to this trauma thing because part of what I want to do is not just, it's not just that I want to tell a story. It's not just that I want to, get people laughing, like do the thing that, that I would do. Although I really do want to do that. I also want to raise awareness about what it's like to grow up this way and, and sort of grab, grab some of that. Like, if you think about the money right now that is being spent in our, in our culture on things like Mormon polygamy, right? like the sister wives show that book. I don't know if you read educated by Tara Westover, but that book sold 4 million copies, mm -hmm. which means that made, that made someone a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Right? So there's all of this money that's out there that people are spending fascinated by these kind of back backwater crazy cults, but none of that money is actually going to help people like you, people like me who are transitioning out of that, yeah. who desperately need help, right? Like I, I was fortunate enough that I had a, a job that was able to pay for the, the like not the job, but I, I made enough money that I could pay for the trauma therapy, but that shit's expensive, right? Very I, I expensive thousands of dollars yeah. into healing, right? And I, I meet people who are, are either have just left polygamy or are, are, you know, have left a little while ago or are thinking about leaving. 
and they have no way of doing that. And I can see it. I can when I when I look at them, I can see the trauma in their eyes. I know what they've experienced. And so the vision that I have is sort of this two-parter. It's like me out there telling my story and having a blast to doing a bunch of cool shit. And that's generating money and interest and awareness that I can then funnel into either my own nonprofit or it, I'm looking around right now because there are some nonprofits that are already existent that help polygamous. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I want to be able to take grab that attention that's already there in the culture and pull it into actually helping the the kids who are who are damaged by this worldview. Yeah, I think that's such a good idea. And let me know all about it. I am down to help out with whatever and be awesome. a part. I would, I would love so to be a part to of it. Because, I mean, exactly. just the idea, like, yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, I'm so glad that we got things connected. And it was so weird, too, that night when I was hanging out with Devin. And uh, we were just having, you know, drinks and stuff for my sister's birthday. And she's really good friends with Devin and, and yeah. all that stuff. And, I mean, Devin officiated their wedding and, you know, all this, right? So... So he's a close family friend, obviously, because he's part of the family, but <laughs> um, we're just hanging out and he's asking about how comedy's going and stuff. And he's like, oh, hey, you should uh, check out my cousin, Ben. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I sent you that message and, and all that stuff. And I'm so glad that that happened because now I think something would be dope. And here's just a floater idea. Mm-hmm. You're talking about going around doing on this tour. Co-headline? Come along. Gang, gang, yeah. dude. I'm all about yeah. it, man. Sweet. Polygamy, polygamy tour. Dude. <laughs> which would be funny because we're just two white guys with no wives <laughs> the no wives tour all right all right we, we won't hash out the details while we're recording we can do that afterward but uh but yeah let me know man i am down because i have a bunch of material and and ready to go man i i mean i've been trying to, I, here's here's something that i've been doing and maybe this is a, a note that i can take from you is that I have been refraining from telling the polygamy stuff on stage a lot. Not because I don't think it's funny or I don't think it's ready or whatever, is that I am, I, I started realizing that I wanted to be funny without it. Totally. Yeah. Right. And it's not, this is not a knock on you, obviously. This is not being like, well, you're going to be a one trick pony, Ben. Ha ha. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is like, I mean, obviously you're connecting with, with people. That's the whole point, right? right? And you yeah, know, that's what comedy's all about. Exactly, you're you're making a connection, and so, um, so I started doing the stuff, and I just put all my polygamy stuff on the shelf. So now, just talking with you and stuff, I'm like, oh damn, I got to bring that stuff back. Bring um, back, or the the thing that sort of clicked me. I, I had a guy that I worked with that sort of mentored me for a while when I got started, and what he said that was really useful is because because he he said the same thing about like, look, polygamy is you can play that right, you can milk that, you can use that. But that's actually not the most interesting thing about you. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. I'm polygamist, but my experience as a polygamist gives me a really unique perspective Perspective. on the world. Mm -hmm. And so I can do observational, and you can too, right? We can do observational comedy from a very unique perspective. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I'm working on a bit right now about how uh, we had swear dares at sleepovers. Did you ever do that? Yes. You did? Oh my God. I'm so glad. (laughs) Dude, I'm so glad you did. Because we were, yeah, we would dare each other to swear. That was the big dare. Like, it was like, oh yeah, you got, you got to eat an egg raw. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Dude, that's, that's play stuff compared to us. We were asking each other to say the word fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And do you know what happens when you say the word fuck? The the demons flood into your body. (laughs) A pentagram of flames just... (laughs) 
<laughs> just <laughs> tentacles coming up and reach you and pull you to hell. That's what happens. <laughs> That's why it's so fun to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, that sounds like a fucking riot. I would absolutely be down to do all that stuff. The charity work. Dude, let's do charity shows. Fuck it. Yeah. Like that yeah, would be what, so fun. Sounds like so much, the more, the more that we can kind of raise awareness and like get people to be aware of because there's, there are, there are real people being harmed right now by that. And yeah. I would, I would love to be able to grab the attention kind of the, cause it's, it's weird, right? It's weird. It's quirky. It's all of this stuff and people pay attention to it, be able to grab that and say, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. We can make fun of it. Also let's there's help this. People. Yeah. Let's, let's actually pull that in and, and make, make it so that people can be okay. Because yeah. there's so much, there's so much pain. There's so much trauma that's locked inside of that, inside of that worldview that just, I want it gone. I want it sh to, to shake out. And the best way, at least for me, and this is the way that I just kind of communicate anyway, is just through jokes and laughing. And I, I'm assuming this, the situation was the same for you, but like I grew up a, around a bunch of really funny people. Yeah. Like in the cult, man, like we got, we got totally. zingers, man. Like we, we got people who can bring the heat comedically yeah. and maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll, it'll help with, uh, with, you know, maybe the, maybe the charity work that we do is, uh, just offering a space for young budding polygamous comedians. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, I am so stoked for you, man. Like this is such a cool thing to obviously get to know you a little bit and, yeah, I've, and, I've, I'm like so stoked to make your, to, to connect with you and just to. Dude. Yeah, no, I need to, I need to come down to, to Utah. Um, I was down in Utah in September, just recording a, a bunch of the podcast. I wish I would have known you beforehand. Cause then I would have been able to coordinate and get on some shows and stuff. And, but yeah, no, I, I'm planning on uh, taking another trip down to Utah relatively soon, um, Sweet. to kind yeah. of rehash let and know. let me know and we'll, uh, we'll meet up. It'll yeah. I want to get, we got, uh, on the open mics and just kind of hit the scene a little bit. I mean, I've, I've met a few people from my days back in doing comedy in Salt Lake before I moved to China. I mean, I did comedy maybe four or five times before I left. So yeah, man, that's cool. Um, well, I don't want to keep you any further. I think we got a great amount. I think we got a, a solid thing. Thanks, man. That was super duper fun. Oh yeah, we'll do it again.